This is the Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Jeff. And I'm Will. Follow us on Twitter at Run Pod Option or email us at runpodoption at gmail.com. If you're listening and enjoy the show, take a second to subscribe, review, do all that good stuff. You might notice that Kyle sounds different because he introduced himself as Will. <laughs> Kyle's missing uh, this week's show, but it's actually perfect because we had Will lined up from, from the stands. Will, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah. Hey, my name is Will Rainier. I'm a diehard Oklahoma State fan living under duress in Austin, Texas. Uh, I'm a former Syracuse football equipment manager. So that if we feared that was, you know, <laughs> what a better way to, have, to fill in for Kyle. Uh, unfortunately, I, I am not. I have kind of severed many of my ties. Uh, I was a, an equipment manager under the Greg Robinson era. So there's a wow. lot of uh, dark, dark days there. Um, I understand why you don't do it anymore then. That'll <laughs> yeah. ruin you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but no, I've, uh, the, the Okie State faithful have uh, adopted me into the family. Um, I transferred there after leaving Syracuse uh, and then uh, have gone on to do uh, bigger and better things outside of Oklahoma. So uh, Oklahoma is one of those places it's, a, it's great to be from. It's not really so good to be in, um, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm happy to be here to talk some college football. As, uh, as uh, Marty mentioned earlier, I um, am a co-host of a show called From the Stands. Uh, we do a college football preview web, web uh, show every Friday. Uh, and so, yeah, check that out. Shameless plug right there. Yeah, definitely. No, it's a bigger and better thing that you alluded to. So it's kind of perfect. <laughs> so I suppose there's probably not a better place to start than uh, the 21st ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys visiting Lubbock. And, you son uh, of a bitch. Listen, I, <laughs> we're doing this now. Either, this, this is what we're going to do. We're going to fight on this show. Is that no, how? I, I, I do wonder, though, if if you're going to get a Jet Duffy tattoo and if so, where? Oklahoma State and losing to backup to backup quarterbacks. Name a more iconic duo. <laughs> I can name one. I can name one. And it's. Uh, having a big lead on Texas at the half and then blowing it. Because in the late aughts, that seemed to be the almost every single season. I've got one. OU fans and complaining about 11 a.m. kickoffs. <laughs> uh, the entire the entire SEC and complaining about noon kickoffs and just, yeah. <laughs> just being unsuited for it. No, but seriously, though, I mean, you look at Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders reminded us all that he is a red shirt freshman uh, playing in his sixth game ever uh, at the in the NCAA through three interceptions and lost two fumbles. This was concerning uh, for me on a micro level because it feels like he's regressing. But I think what we're forgetting is uh, the Big 12 uh, the number three through seven teams, you literally spin a wheel every week and you come out with a different order of teams. Uh, this week it's Baylor, who happens to be sitting in that number three spot. Um, you know, next week it, it very well could be TCU back up in the number three slot. So you just you don't know week to week what you're going to get from the Big 12. Um, and what I thought was really interesting is uh, you look at. Um, you know, this this notion that Big 12s don't play defense. And you look that I think at one point, uh, both teams were like 04, like Texas Tech was like 0 for 13 and, and uh, Oklahoma State was like 0 for 10 on third down. Uh, and so, you know, th- 
there is defense happening. Uh, you know, five takeaways on, from Texas Tech's defense. And then, uh, yeah, Jet comes out and just has a great uh, – Jet Duffy comes out and just has a, a, a really solid game through us for 400 yards. Um, and so – you know, it, it's tough to overcome five turnovers, period. I don't care if you're Alabama playing Arkansas State. Uh, if you turn the ball over five more times to your opponent, you're, you're going to have a, a bad day. Like you said when you alluded to the redshirt freshman thing, I think it's normal, and, and we'll get to Bo Nix a little bit later too, but Spencer Sanders is, like, incredibly exciting, but early on in a career, this mm-hmm. is what that looks like, Yeah. right? Yep. For every for every good and and I hate to throw even the Manzel name or, or tag at him at all, <laughs> but but in comparison, for every bit of magic that Manzel was able to do, the rest of his team maybe would let him down and or he'd do it himself, right? He'd just turn the ball over. And mm-hmm. I think Spencer Sanders, just like Jet Duffy, I've seen Jet Duffy come in and play really, really well, but I've also seen him do pretty poorly because the Red Raiders actually get a pretty good amount of airplay here because my wife went to Texas Tech, which I didn't mm. uh, ever tell you, Will. So I, I, <laughs> I really, you should be apologizing to her because she lived in Lubbock for multiple years. And, oh my gosh. And it's not great. Even if you look at the the scoring plays, uh, you know, uh Spencer Sanders still had two passing touchdowns, had some big plays throughout the game. Uh, but there were there were a number of times where he's, you know, he's running out of bounds and you're screaming, just throw the ball away. Or, you know, he's he's tucking the ball and running and you're screaming, just slide. And and, you know, three years from now, whenever, you know, we're we're having good seasons and we look back and say, oh, Spencer Sanders, you know, started out and, and only won seven games his first year. You're, you're not going to remember this game in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and so it, it makes it a little bit more palatable. Um, but yeah, even looking at uh, the first half drive summaries for Oklahoma State, fumble, punt, 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 interception, interception, downs, punt, touchdown. That was the first <laughs> half. Like, no team can, you know, that is a, unless you're playing in the Big Ten, uh, no team can overcome that uh, first half. I, I don't, especially not in the Big Twelve. Well, and and I don't I don't have uh, an opinion strong enough to warrant, I think, a bigger discussion. But I do think it'll be interesting once Bowman returns for Texas Tech, whether or not they decide to go with him or if Duffy can keep the hot streak. He still only completed like 55% of his passes. Right. So it's not like he was perfect. Like Oklahoma State still played him pretty good. It's just the legs, the same way that it benefits Sanders, really helped Duffy, I think, especially for a Texas Tech team that seemingly wants to get away from the pass, but can't help but throw the ball 40 times a game. Yeah, they've got Baylor on the road this week, so I think that'll be really interesting to see kind of what happens. I think I, I did read that Bowman is back. So first question, do they put Bowman in over a jet after that after that pretty solid game? And, you know, whether they do or they don't, uh, just kind of watching them match up to, to Baylor, who uh, tell your kids about an undefeated 5-0 and Baylor team because uh, that's where we are in 2019. I don't know what to do with it. And they've only allowed 77 points through five games, which is pretty excellent. Yeah, no doubt. Let's hop on over to Auburn and Florida. Jeff, did you get a chance to watch this game? I only got a chance to watch the first half. So Oddly enough, same thing for me because <laughs> it was me and the daughter solo. So I had to do a little neighborhood walk. It was like 68 degrees here in Charlotte. It was beautiful. So I took advantage of it, but I saw enough to see that Auburn seemingly did not have 
it almost felt like they were slower than Florida in a lot of aspects. No, I definitely agree. You look at just kind of what uh, Florida was able to do, uh, especially, uh, you know, the Trask kind of didn't really play a great game. I, I would say I think his QBR was something just insane, like below 30. Um, but, uh, you know, Piran had a great day on the ground, 14 carries for 130 yards. Uh, you know, that's really solid against, especially against Auburn, who a week ago we, you know, were saying had this incredible SEC defense that we all know and love and really had a, a chance to just kind of make some noise there in the West and really contend. Yeah. And I, the, the thing that is kind of interesting to me, if you read message boards and sites, people aren't super impressed with Dan Mullen, but I think he's doing a really awesome job. His recruiting is pretty good. I mean, it's kind of hard not to at Florida, but. They've lost some players, you know, they lost Franks to start the year, and they still just kind of are chugging along. So I'm really interested to see kind of how they finish things out. I think Trask's biggest ability is being able to get the ball to Freddie Swain and to other playmakers and Mm -hmm. letting them almost do the Alabama thing of just letting their receivers run free. Get them in Mm -hmm. space. If If there's not a person within five yards and they catch the ball, they're probably gone for 20, 40, 60 yards or a touchdown, if not that. It really felt like, at least at the beginning, that Florida had the burners on full speed, and I was surprised at how unable Auburn seemed to be, in terms of just pass coverage, to cover someone like Freddie Swain, who seemed to have a day. I also mm-hmm. saw Kyle Trask almost get murdered by a sack, so it kind of <laughs> it goes on, it goes both ways, I think. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, two of Florida's three touchdowns, where uh, one was a 64-yard pass and the other was an 88-yard run, uh, and then the third touchdown came after an interception that they gave you know gave him the ball at like the 18-yard line or something. So uh, a lot here. It, it wasn't. Uh, outside of the big plays, it wasn't a really Im- impressive day. But, I mean, uh, when uh, when Bo Nix kind of plays the way he does, um, then it makes it a lot easier. You know, you really only need one or two of those big plays in order to, to compensate for it. Yeah, Bo Nix finished 11 for 27, 145 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. And I think that might just have been the difference. Trask was good enough to not lose the game for Florida. Because mm-hmm. I think that I think if Franks wins, or I'm sorry, if Franks plays, there's probably a chance that Auburn wins because Franks I, I was not impressed by. No, me either. And he'll and he'll he'll throw a duck your way. I think Trask for as many times as he got hit by a really good Auburn team, he didn't just outright hand the ball over three times like Nick's did. Yeah, but the one trade off you get, and it didn't matter as much this game. I thought it would is. Franks had some mobility. You know, I got to watch it in the bowl game last year when he shredded Michigan with his legs. But from what I saw, I don't Trask does not have add any element to their quarterback run game. So will it matter much going forward? I don't know, but it might be worth something watching. There's the iconic duo is Florida and Michigan playing in a bowl game after disappointing season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a, it's a annual rivalry at this point. Like if I don't get that at the, you know, right there around Christmas time, it's like Santa doesn't care about me. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need my outback bowl. I need it. That's right. Well, did you guys, I don't know how much of this you're able to watch, but um, when Trask went down and Emory Jones came in, uh, he is a, a, a true freshman. Um, 
I, I mean, I think he played well enough. He went five for seven. It was only 28 yards, but he had three runs for 13 yards. Um, do you think that uh, he played well enough to kind of insert him into a dual quarterback situation? Or do you think they're just going to stick with Trask? Honestly, didn't see enough of it. So I can't really speak to it. I don't know how how many total plays. So he threw seven times. Yeah. What, what do you say? Do you think he had 15, 15 plays? I mean, it had to have been, you know, two or three drives. Uh, see if I can pull up the drive chart. Um, but, I, I mean, I thought he played well enough, like almost well enough to, to kind of say, um, you know, if for whatever reason um, Trask had to, to take extended timeout, uh, that, um, you know, it – it wouldn't be the end of the world. And what's really interesting is if you look, so uh, Emory Jones, it was right there at the end of the first quarter. Um, he uh, gets pulled. Trask comes in on third and seven and immediately is sacked and fumbled. And then, and that was kind of the handoff back from Emory Jones back to Trask. Trask finished the game after that um, and, and came back in and, and threw a touchdown right after. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, they Trask says, hey, coach, I'm ready to go. And he goes in one play and fumbles. That's the that was the murder sack, I think. I think it was, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah where the, the off the left end, the guy came in almost completely untouched. And that's the one. Is that the one Mullen called dirty after the game? Was that the, the hit? It, I don't know. It probably was. I think maybe that might have been the, the hit that injured Trask. But I don't, that hit looked pretty clean. He just kind of fell wrong. Yeah. That and he's still a big dude. So the guy put his, it looked like the guy put his face mask on his chest, but inevitably as, as, as Trask gets hammered, that guy's helmet slides up and hits his helmet. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like a bang, bang even. It was more like a bang slide. Yeah. And I, yeah. I don't, it, it didn't look dirty to me. If that's the one he was referencing, I don't know. I think Kyle Trask would have to lose the job more than them. I don't know. There's a history of Florida with two quarterbacks. I honestly don't know. Yeah, so Florida's got LSU uh, in the swamp. Game day's going. I mean, do you think from what you saw, for the little that you saw in Florida, do they have any shot? I really like LSU. Um, I like LSU a lot. Yeah. I didn't think Florida was going to hang with Auburn. So I, I'm... These are differently built. Auburn and Florida, or, or Auburn LSU, are way differently built teams, though. Yeah, I think Florida gains a lot more yards <laughs> against LSU. Yeah, but I think LSU, like, I think they put up, you know, have another 400-yard game uh, with their quarterback. I, I, I just like what I saw from Joe Burrow. I think he, uh, statistically, he's got to be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation right now. Um, and so I, I think that that he's going to have a, a good day uh, against Florida's defense. I, I just don't know if Florida is going to be able to string together enough good drives offensively uh, to match what I think Burrow's going to do um, under center. The turnovers affect the game anyways. I think it'll be – Florida is going to need to force two, three, four turnovers mm-hmm. for them to really hang with LSU, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we'll get to that when we get to picks. Okay. And I do think that – Florida will probably score more points than Iowa and Michigan scored combined as <laughs> the Iowa Hawkeyes traveled to Michigan and lost 3-10. to 10. Yep. That was a rough one. That, I'm just, just wa- trying to watch that. That was rough to watch. Jeff, I know you caught a lot of this game. I want you to take a <laughs> guess here. How many – I'm going to give you an over-under of three. 
<laughs> How many yards per play do you think Iowa averaged? Was it over three or under three? Mm. I'm going to say over, but not by a lot. It was under, and it was by just a little, <laughs> but uh, it was 2.9 yards per play. Wow. And I believe when I looked at it, it was either 72 or 79 plays that they ended up having. They had almost 20 more than Michigan. Tell us about the game, because I'll be honest, everything on Twitter told me to stay away from it until <laughs> the last five minutes, and then I jumped over in the last five minutes. So Michigan jumped out to a really good start. They Iowa turned the ball over. Uh, Michigan drove and scored a touchdown and punched it in, and Michigan fans were like, all right, here we go. They kick a field goal to go up 10 nothing, and then that was about it. Uh, Shea Patterson, I think, has maybe hit his ceiling, if not regressed. He looks shell-shocked. He doesn't stay in the pocket long. Mm. He's not making reads. They have him making half-field reads, and he can't even do that. Um, and the offense just looks discombobulated. So if you like watching defense, this was fun because – Michigan had, I think they ended up with eight sacks and 12 tackles for loss. They were just all over the place. And Iowa's defense, I think, is pretty good, too. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was brutal. It was penalties, sacks, you know, punts. It was, it was a true uh, throwback Big Ten game. It felt like Michigan had the punching bag, that it was an Iowa player, but they definitely had the Wisconsin logo on a piece of paper <laughs> taped to it because they're similar enough. They could probably copy and paste the game plan and just be better. And they were. Uh, poor Nate Stanley looked like he... He was running for his life. Dude, it was, it was rough, especially those last two drives. He panicked, and he had a couple good throws. Yeah. But Michigan dialed up just the absolute right blitzes, and it seemed like every time it was off that left guard, and it was just a, a second delay, and they'd come in untouched. Yeah. Not only did um, did they get eight sacks, but they lost uh, 65 yards on those eight sacks. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the total stat line team rushing was 30 carries for one yard was the, yep. the final Iowa stat line. But it's really misleading just because of those 65 yards. But you take those away, and, and they're 22 uh, rushes for 64 yards, which still is not good. It's under three yards per carry uh, for the game, which is which is still not, not going to be not, enough. But it's not one yard, though. You know, yeah. that's, that's pretty <laughs> telling, just saying one yard. Like, I saw they did a, a post-conference. So it was like, you know, asking the Michigan defenders how it feels to hold a team to one yard. Well, you didn't. Like, <laughs> like the, the, the quarterback almost died eight times, and he happened to be going backwards. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know how much of you guys caught of it, but it was strange to watch Iowa throw the ball 40 times. I mean mm – -hmm. They were constantly spread three or four wide. Like, it was just so – if you had watched Michigan and Wisconsin play, I don't know how your game plan could be, yeah, let's spread Michigan out and throw it all over the place. Like, I I would have just, you know, put those two big tight ends in and, and tried to run the ball, but I don't know. Kirk Ferentz and his team, his staff, didn't – I don't think they put him in the, the best position to, to win. So He's, he's got to know to only use that game plan when they're going to beat Ohio State by like 30 points <laughs> out of nowhere. They do have Penn State at home, a night game at Kinnick next week, so watch. The last time that happened, I think, when it was at Iowa, was the time that Penn State scored with no time remaining. Yeah, 
And that's and, when, yep. Yeah, and the, and the crowd got, I've never heard a crowd get as quiet as that crowd. The moment that Tracy McSorley, <laughs> the ball left his hands, and I can't tell you who caught it. As soon as it happened, I thought the audio on my TV went out. Yep. I'm excited for that game next week, actually. It should be a good game. Another good game that I don't think, I'm just going to guess that none of us really watched, was Virginia Tech and Miami. I did not watch that game. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I so no, I, no interest in the outset of watching that game. Uh, and I think we kind of, I mean, look at the final score, and, and that's kind of exactly what we figured was going to happen. Just not a lot of defense going on. I don't know. It, I, looking at the box score, it, it didn't look like it was, it was a good game, and so I'm kind of glad I missed it, honestly. Well, I think it's worth noting, and the only reason I have it in here is I have a couple notes on it. So I'm just kind of, kind of, I'm going to shoot from the hip here. In the first half, Miami turned the ball over five times. I've been there. Their first seven drives, interception, 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 fumble, punt, interception, halftime. Oof. Jaron Williams got pulled after his third interception, and uh, old boy Nikosi Perry came in and just started chucking the ball all <laughs> over Virginia Tech. Uh, too little, too late. Um, I think the Hokies, they had seven sacks in the game. The one that I really like is a sophomore that Virginia Tech started at quarterback is Hendon Hooker. And he looks extremely raw because I, I played the I, I replayed the game on Sunday because I had it DVR'd while I was doing some food prep. So I wasn't watching very closely. And he wasn't particularly great. It was boom or bust. Dude is exciting. And he glides across the field. And he looks almost like a uh, the way Troy Smith used to run back in the day for Ohio State. Uh, even the way that I'm trying to think of kind of a lengthy, a lengthy quarterback, uh, Dennis Dixon kind of comes to mind as, mm. is, is the way he kind of glided across the field. I don't know if it's going to be enough to save Fuente's job at the end, but at least Virginia Tech's not going to be not exciting. They just might be a more exciting car crash. Did they start playing him in place of Willis or is Willis hurt? I don't know if I don't know. I think he was actually named the starter, if I had okay. to guess. And I don't know if Willis was was uh, out. And I'll just look real quick to see if he was even on the uh, injury report, which is not gonna show on my screen. <laughs> He's not listed on it, so I don't, I don't. I don't think he. I mean, he hasn't been very good this year. And That's I think maybe dreadful. if if I'm Fuente and I feel like I'm losing somebody, maybe he's already lost him, and they he gets a hungry, a hungry. I almost said a hungry hooker. Uh, a hungry young quarterback. <laughs> wow. Well, we, they were in Miami, I guess. Uh, the Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be exciting. I hope Hendon develops regardless of the, the tech of Fuente and Virginia Tech. So I, I, I'll throw this out there. Um, I don't know if how much you guys follow Virginia Tech, but isn't this kind of like, look at the, the first half versus the second half. It's like... Fuente came into the locker room at the halftime, looks over at Bud Foster, and it's like, hey, I'll take it from here. Don't worry. And Bud's just like, <laughs> whatever, man. I don't even care at this point. I'm out of here. Um, but yeah, the, the drive charts that you saw, like this, you're sitting there at the halftime going, this is exactly what we want. This is Bud Foster defense. Like, this is who Virginia Tech could be. And then they get to the end, and it's, you know, 35 35, and you're like, oh, no, this is who Virginia Tech is. Like, this is someone who's a team that just is not, you know, protecting the lead and 
uh, just kind of giving it away. And, and really, Miami had a really good shot to come back and win it right there at the end. Uh, from the 10-yard line, they had two shots right there at the very end of the game to tie it up and just couldn't make it happen. I think Bud Foster probably has his second worst defense, and it's only behind last year's. It, they don't look very good. I think Jaron Williams gifted them. He looked he looked very poor at the beginning yeah. of the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was because he it wasn't comfortable in the pocket, but he's had a pretty subpar season anyways. And I think the same way that, that Hooker had a good game because Miami probably wasn't planning for him because I don't think he was named the starter until either Friday or that Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. I think that's the same situation with Nikosi. Nikosi came in and... There's no way in that plan they expected a quarterback to come in and throw 47 times, especially with how Jaron Williams had done. So you, I think it's an unfortunate circumstance for that defense trying to react, and I don't think Bud has the adjustments like he used to. Right. I don't, I don't think he has the talent. Like the, the things I read online from Virginia Tech sites is they haven't recruited well, they haven't developed like they used to, and – well, I mean, I, the I ACC now is not, it's not the Big East, you know, 15 years ago. Um, yeah. You know, you've got just so many, you've got Clemson, who you're going to lose a lot of talent to. Uh, you know, even, you know, you're still dealing with Florida State and Miami, who you're going to lose talent to. And, and yeah, I'll admit both of those teams are down. But, you know, Virginia Tech is just isn't the destination. Like, it's harder to promise conference championships. And if you can't even promise conference championships, forget, the, you know, trying to promise the five-star kids' playoff uh, appearances. So, yeah, I think I it's agree. a lot and I, and their, their brand has definitely suffered. The brand suffered, and I think that both UNC and North Carolina State have raised their profile. For every problem that Fedora had, he was not a bad recruiter. And Doran... Dover, I can't ever say his last name. He's not a bad recruiter either. No. Cutcliffe is an automatic, if you're yeah. a good player, to get into the pros. Like, you know exactly what you're getting in a coach. You're going to be well coached, all that other stuff. Yep. All that factored, factored in with, like Will said, the ACC's just got a different landscape now. Clemson rules it. Clemson is absolutely recruiting those grounds and the rest of the country. Yep. Florida State still has an impact there. UVA has started doing something. And I think there's also the fact that Old Dominion and company are rising. ECU is trying to get in that and get into that region. Coastal Carolina trying to get into that region. Old Dominion, etc. Yeah, you're just. I think. I think Virginia Tech. I don't think their time has passed, but they're going to have to hit a reset whenever Fuente leaves or gets fired, whichever one it is. That's so weird to me because Fuente coming in from Memphis, like. Everyone was like just so high on Virginia Tech, uh, and so I, I still think he's a good enough coach. I think that there's a, definitely a talent issue. Um, I wonder, you know, just kind of what's happening behind the scenes that we're not seeing because, I mean, Fuente has had success at lesser program, uh, yeah. and so it's just shocking to me. I don't think it's a Fuente issue. I think it's a Virginia Tech issue. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Ohio State hammered Michigan State. I'm not even going to touch on it that much, except that J.K. Dobbins is absolutely incredible when he gets in the open field. Yeah, yeah. This, this, guys, keep an eye out for this kid. This, uh, you know, he may not be on a lot of people's radars right now. Uh, a lot of people may not have heard of him. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Everybody's heard of him. <laughs> Just, uh, he's the he's the real deal. Yeah. Well-known quarterback Justin Fields also had a pretty decent game. Michigan State tried their best. Uh, Lewerke, uh did everything he could. 
and didn't look half bad, but once the receivers stopped making the hard catches, it was pretty much over, mm. and it steamrolled. Texas almost fell into a trap game. Uh, West Virginia outpaced them at the beginning, and then Texas just kind of ran away with it. This is what I'm talking about. Every every single week, like there's the Big 12 is going to reshuffle itself. Um, I, do you guys think uh, West Virginia got any brownie points in this loss? Is this, is this something that... I, I, after their game against uh, who's it, early, the Missouri game, I thought for sure they were done this year. And, and then they beat North Carolina State, and I exactly. didn't know what to think. Exactly. And then, you know, Kansas plays them to five points, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, then maybe they're not that good. Like every single week, you just spin the wheel on the Big 12. It's truly why I feel blessed every, every Saturday when the Big 12 was – the conference I watched the most, if nothing else, because Fox Sports Southwest was the most available channel. You know, it was easy. It was easy to pop on and see an Oklahoma State Baylor game. You know, mm-hmm. or, a T- yeah. or a TCU uh, Kansas State game as as they after they joined the conference. But for sure, where the Pac-12 seemingly lacks ability and it's got parity involved, the Big Twelve seems to have a ton of talent that is just spread thin across almost the rest, uh, across uh, eight of the 10, is it 10 teams now? Eight of the 10 teams <laughs> exactly. are spread and have kind of the same ability and you never know who's going to step up. Yeah. And even six, you know, six weeks into the season, when you think you've got a good idea, they just, they flip it over again and you're like, Oh, okay. No, every team really could beat every team except for Oklahoma. I, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to beat Oklahoma I mean, they they're just rolling right now. Um, I I can sure get a little bit behind the the rivalry game that they've got, and I know we'll talk about these later in the picks. But I I don't think Oklahoma is gonna even make it a game against Texas. I think they run away with it this year. I don't know what to expect. It wouldn't surprise me if Texas wins by twenty now, like <laughs> like we said. Um, two two scores from that. Uh, Parity-filled Pac-12. Oregon sneaks by Cal. Herbert looked like he played one of the best defenses. I mean, Cal did a really good job. And Herbert's receivers can't catch. It's it's unfortunate, but I don't think Oregon – I know Oregon is the flag bearer. If the Pac-12 is going to try to get in the playoffs, they don't don't belong there at this point. Herbert Herbert isn't given the – he's not given the rock enough for me to even say that he's regressed. Because I don't feel like he has. I feel like the quarterback, I feel like the coach is not calling the plays to allow Herbert to just go out there and win a game. Mm. Also, Jacob Eason and the Huskies lost to Stanford because I, no one knows anything. I, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, this Pac-12 after dark. Stuff. It, it's crazy. You wake up Sunday morning, you're like, oh yeah, there was a game last night. What what Stanford beat Washington? And uh and you just you you almost feel bad for the Pac-12, but then you remember that Larry Scott's their commissioner and they make terrible choices and you know you get over it because you didn't have to watch the yeah. game anyway. I think there's probably something psychologically too where because the whole Pac-12 after dark has this mythological presence right and college football fandom i think 
There's no doubt that at least two or three of those Stanford players went in knowing that they were the worst team and say, <laughs> and they said to themselves, like, listen, why not us? I mean, it, it, UCLA, you know, beat Washington State. Like, why, why wouldn't, why can't we do this? And Davis Mills had a pretty great game. Yep. Cameron Scarlett had a really good game, just pounding the ball. Jacob Eason looked average. And I don't know if Stanford's defense is back or if Washington just couldn't get in gear. I, I keep hearing people call Jacob Eason Purple Cutler, um, which is really <laughs> apt because wow. because Jay Cutler would give you one of these games. Like for every five games, it'd be like, man, he's pretty good. He would like, you know, lay a dud to freaking Cincinnati or Cleveland or something like that. And so, uh, so this is very apt, of course. Um, yeah. Is Washington? Are they done at four and two? Are they? You think they're they're dead? There's no shot. There's no path to the playoffs for them. Definitely, I don't think there's any path short of them. Well, they're uh, no two losses. I don't think, especially in this year, which yeah. we can dive into it on our pick show a little bit. I don't think there's a chance. I'm not sure that they even get to the Pac-12 title game, and and mm-hmm. I certainly don't think they're deserving because they haven't looked good. They've looked worse than Clemson has, and Clemson deserves to be in the playoffs despite not looking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll buy that. Uh, another team that is definitely not going to get in the playoffs is UCF. I don't know what's happening, except that they missed Mackenzie Milton. I talked to Jeff earlier today and mentioned that UCF got in the red zone five times, and they got 16 points, which is unacceptable. Those are those are points on the board that you just left that Mackenzie Milton could have gotten. Absolutely. And, and Dylan Gabriel just looks – he looks very talented, but he's obviously young. And yeah. Cincinnati's looking like a better and better win for Ohio State with every passing week. I we did an entire segment on on from the stands last week on the American Conference, and uh, we ended up you know we we ended up looking like geniuses uh, after you know SMU Tulsa was probably the best game of the week. Memphis Navy Tulane USF and Cincinnati all rolled um, like. The American Conference, like, no kidding. Like, I'm a believer in the American Conference this year. The, the Western Division is solid. It is a very, very good conference, and it's entertaining. All the games have been watchable for the most part. Um, and so, you know, you, you can't not like the SMU story and then just seeing what Tulane and, and uh, even Memphis are doing. Like, that's going to be a really fun conference to keep an eye on. I agree, and and I'll we'll we'll kind of end uh, the review on the American, and then we'll hit a couple of quick notes before we get out of the air. But okay. so SMU against Tulsa, it's what I expected. Tulsa kept SMU from winning. Uh, I'm sorry, going to a bowl game last year, and it showed they were shook at, at home. It's nice to see them win, but it's obvious that SMU has issues stopping the run against Tulsa. And the run in general. And I'll make a quick mm-hmm. note. Ahmad Brooks uh, clapped back at our uh, Twitter account because <laughs> I said that he was being, uh, he was unprepared telling the fans or the, the, the audience that SMU was really great against the pass. And he clapped back with some really good statistics. What those statistics, <laughs> what those statistics include are quarterback sacks. And when you're SMU and you sacked South Florida 10 times, those numbers get inflated. So like, mm-hmm. so like they're just bad against the run. That's it. And and it's not like, you know what? There's a, there's a good example of that. The the Jaguars of the NFL are similar in that they can be really good against the run 
for two or three plays, they can't do it four plays straight. And eventually they give up a big one. And that's where SMU's at. The American Athletic uh, might low-key be the most competitive conference at a high level in terms of just how many teams have the potential to win the win the conference. SMU, Memphis, Tulane, Navy, Houston, Tulsa. You know what? Take away Navy. They're kind Take of Take away but. Houston. Yeah, Derek, Derek King made, made that decision for them. That they're, I think they're done for the year. I do feel like Houston can determine who's going to win that championship, though. They still have that in them. And Tulsa is the most athletic team probably in the conference. Temple, Cincinnati are great. Central yep. Florida, who knows? Even when they're bad, they're still really good. They've scored... Mm-hmm. Uh, SMU scored the second most points at 265, UCF's at 269, and the nearest is more than is 66 points less yeah. than, than the first and second team. So yeah. it, it it's really going to be fun going down through the rest yeah. of the season. But if you look at, I mean, Memphis, uh, you said 66 points less. You look at their points against, I mean, they've played five games and they've held their opponents to combine 96 points. So uh, I'm not going to do math in public, but I mean, 20 points a game is pretty good. Uh, if you're holding your opponents under 20 a game, you're, you're going to be okay in that conference. They're, they're, they're doubling up their opponents. And yep. that includes a Mississippi State team that is trying to dodge and weave with some suspensions. They, <laughs> I think, had all of their players out there for that game because they have a few really good defensive players that... They're only allowed to play, I think, nine out of 12 games this year. Some weird <laughs> thing. The NCAA is weird. It's a weird thing. UConn extended Charlie Strong's reign as USF coach by losing <laughs> by uh, another Nebraska. Week. <laughs> another week. I don't know how he's going to hang in there. Uh, but it's, I think, their first FBS win in 10 straight weeks. Or not 10 straight weeks, but 10 straight games. Uh, speaking of FBS wins, Oregon State got one against UCLA. We uh, will go and talk about Chip Kelly too long, but no turnovers in this game, and Oregon State just outplayed him. So I uh, I went to Corvallis for the Oklahoma State game this year, and I, I was actually pretty impressed with Oregon State's offense. I think Jake Luton and uh, Isaiah Hodgkins, Hodgins, uh, I think the receiver, is, right? Yeah, the the receiver. I think he's a great player. Uh, you know, somebody tried to say Oregon State may be the wide receiver university. I take personal uh, exception to that. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's in this clearly game, SMU. It's <laughs> pony up. <laughs> uh, but I mean, in this game, uh, Hodgins had ten catches for 120 yards. Like that's that's great. No, you know, for uh, against uh, I don't care if it is against UCLA. That's still a pretty solid stat line. Does he have a brother that also plays running back? Because that seems to be when Oregon State's their best, when they had uh, <laughs> Rodgers and Rodgers. Yeah, Rodgers and Rodgers. And then all of a sudden they catch magic in a bottle and upset Oregon or upset USC. Yep. <laughs> we'll do a quick game before we get out. Okay. Baylor, Minnesota, Memphis, and Boise State are all undefeated. Ooh. Hey, hold up. Don't forget about Wake Forest. No, I don't want to forget about Wake Forest. I just... I, you know what? Let's add Wake Forest in there. <laughs> they, they benefited from the bye week to extend right, let's, their, let's, their let's, undefeated season. You, you know who also did was Texas A&M. Texas A&M went up. <laughs> so I think they went yeah. up one spot in the AP Top 25. And they had a bye week. And They're three and two. They must hate Minnesota and Baylor. <laughs> they do not <laughs> want to give them that spot. They've Baylor, I get. 
But let's all right. Let's remove Boise State because they probably have the easiest avenue, right? Sure. Let's do Baylor, Minnesota, Memphis, and Wake Forest. Not who do you think, but okay. who do you want to finish with the best record out of those four? And let's just call it ten and two on the year. If you had mm-hmm. to pick one, just to see what the butterfly effect would be, who's ten and two? Go back Go. over it again. Uh, ba- Baylor, Baylor, Wake, Minnesota, uh-huh. Wake Forest, and Memphis. Not Memphis, just because if if they go if they go thirteen and zero, you know they beat UCF like and Cincinnati and eh. I, I know we I know we just propped up the American, but you know an undefeated Memphis doesn't really do anything for me. Yeah, butterfly um, flex not not as big there. Exactly. Uh, I think it's I, not only do I think it's uh, Minnesota, but I'll tell you why. Um, because I think they have probably the, the easiest path ahead to do it. Um, they have uh, Penn State at home. Uh, they have Wisconsin at home, and they have to go to Iowa. Uh, but outside of that, they've got Nebraska, Rutgers, Maryland, and Northwestern. Goodness. Yeah, they might be 8-0 in a couple weeks. They really could be. And then uh, so 8-0 going to our, and then hosting Penn State at home. Um, I mean, honestly, they we could be looking at an eleven and zero with Minnesota just because, <laughs> like you know, hosting Wisconsin, and then it's just like, you know, what the hell? Like PJ Fleck, like he's going to row that boat all the way to the Big Ten championship game, if, uh, and then if, promptly if, get crushed. If PJ Fleck, if PJ Fleck won the Big Ten this year, just hypothetically, does he get an NFL job tomorrow? He's absolutely. He's the Redskins coach, like immediately, right? <laughs> and they they switch it to row the canoe. And it's <laughs> oh, terrible. That's cultural appropriation. Uh, I, I want you to. Know, you know what? Well, I'm going to stop you there because I have my Cherokee Nation membership card, I'm and I'm stop not you joking. There because I so, have my Choctaw Nation membership card, and I'm yeah, as white. I'm as white as you are. I know. I know. It's 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 baffling. It's almost like they watered down the gene pool. <laughs> Let's not get into the Trail of Tears uh, because we're going to talk about how Baylor's Trail of Tears is going to lead them to 12-0. and 0. Uh, I think Baylor 12-0 and 0 would be the best. I think Oklahoma's only loss and them trying to make the playoffs and Baylor probably still only ranked like 12th because they won't get any respect. Uh, I really like Matt Rule. I like what he's done there in such a short time. Answer me this. What? How bad does OU beat Baylor the second time in the conference championship game if somehow Baylor ekes out a win? Ooh, see, I feel like in my hypothetical here, Baylor gets lucky, right? And they just out, they out, end up, they end, Charlie Brewer has an incredible game. Mm-hmm. They end up winning something like 42 to 38. You know, they just get enough stops. Sure. I think in the rematch, Oklahoma beats them by 30. <laughs> but I think, but I think the first half is ten ten, and Baylor is playing lights out, and they're crushing it, and then Oklahoma just ends up being like, all right, well we're done here. This is the only chance we have the playoffs, and they just destroy them the second time around. Yeah, see, this is what what I, this is where I get really hung up on the on the Big Twelve. Um, I love that all the teams play each other, so don't get me wrong. Uh, I hate how poorly the conference handled 2014 with uh, Baylor and TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also hate a rematch conference championship game because of the one and one split. It's just kind of like, wh- what do you do? Do you just take whoever wins the, the conference championship game? And, and that is like by winning the conference in that game, 
like that's the kicker that kind of you know makes the other loss not in the season not so bad. It, so I think I, I don't think it's a great system. I think it's a great regular season, but I do hate that you know the the conference championship game will always be a rematch. Yeah, it's 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 not awful in other conferences necessarily when hypothetically Wisconsin beats uh, Penn State and then they end up playing each other in the conference championship because then it feels like, okay, now it's a revenge game. Whereas the Big 12 championship game, it feels like everybody did a great job. We played through our conference schedule. Oh, wait, uh, we just have this little hurdle here and everyone knows that it's here because we got ditched out of the playoffs once and we decided to change how the conference structure works for the postseason. Yeah. That, I, I that's think the bummer about it. I think it's frustrating too because, you know, in in a perfect world that you've got a 12-0 and 0 team playing an 11-1 and 1 team, but realistically we're going to get like an 11-1 and 1 team playing a 9-3 and 3 team at some point and then the, the 9-3 and 3 team is going to win and it's like, oh, okay, well... See you next year, playoffs. Like, we're just kicked ourselves out of this thing. Yeah, and I'm going to actually kick us out of this thing. We're going to hang it up for the rest of this episode. Uh, guys, we have a picks show that is going to be releasing. This will be coming out Tuesday. It'll probably be dropping Wednesday morning. Uh, this is all to serve me who edits the show because <laughs> I stay up till 2 a.m. and I don't want to do that. So, uh, Will and Jeff, if you would like to say goodbye because we're actually going to hit stop and hit record again here in a second. Later, guys. Go Pokes. Where, where can we follow you, Will? Uh, you can follow me at on Twitter. Uh, but if you want to get some really quality Twitter time on Saturdays, go to at from the stands US. Uh, that's the one I pay the most attention attention to. We got uh, you know replays and snarky tweets and all the the fun stuff for Saturdays. Excellent. Good deal, Jeff. Where can they find you? Do you want to give your Twitter out this time? Yeah, Jcontis three. Follow me for scorching takes on ten and. 10 to 3 Big Ten games. I want to point out right before I stop recording, the first time we did that, Jeff did not want people to know his name, but I think we have a good enough show. We have enough a good enough show that Jeff feels confident to give out his Twitter, and I feel proud of that. Uh, follow me. I'm usually running the show at run op, at, at run pod option on Twitter. And uh, have a good rest of the week. You'll have the pick show, and we're actually going to talk about the California Bill SB206 on that show as well. Bye, y'all. Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football, MLB, and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between. If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at JuicingPOD.